Thank you for listening to Recyclables. I really appreciate it. If you want to support the program, the best way to do that is to like, subscribe, and share. Uh, the next best way is to make a donation either through the Acast app or at our Patreon, which is just patreon forward slash recyclables.com. Until next time, thank you. started out a little bit and then we got a little off track. Well, I'll just, so I'll just put it in the I'll just do an intro and then and then <laughs> <laughs> But like we both had covid. You had it first. The week before Christmas we canceled, didn't we? That one episode. I think so. We were supposed to have Kyle, right? Yeah, yeah. So we, we had, had cancel on Kyle and that was before Christmas. And I wasn't feeling I was feeling icky, but like like a cold icky. And I live in like a drafty well not a drafty, but I live in an attic and like a lot of nasal issues. I wasn't coughing. That was why I didn't think I had COVID at all. Was at first was because I wasn't coughing. Uh and yeah, I, the coffee came a lot later for me. And and I wasn't the other thing was I didn't run a fever right away. Like I had night sweats, but I the, the that's part of the problem is I always have back pain, which is a symptom of Omicron, and I'm always nasally, which is a symptom of Omicron, and I've always kind of had like night sweat sleep issues where like I can't get comfortable or like like I'll put like nine blankets on when I need one because I want to be warm when I fall asleep, and then I'll wake up like blankets all over the place because like eventually my body was like you idiot you can't be 90 degrees all the time but it feels so good (laughs) these are all things that like i already have because you know poverty and shit so like yeah the privilege to be able to heat your bedroom through the night instead of just like using a shit ton of blankets yeah and the I, fact that I can afford a dehumidifier, otherwise this place is a fucking dank-ass cave of poison. And, like, I wasn't going out that much. Like, I was going out maybe three or four nights a week for mics and or shows, and I wasn't even doing that. Uh, the week before, I was like, I know I'm kind of at risk, but I'll be able to do these, like, three shows and get a little bit of money saved up, at least see my way through Christmas when I know I won't have any shit. So yeah, I, I, my, my point is being like, I didn't go out too much beforehand. I went out maybe like, maybe a dozen times in all of December before that. And some of that was just like, from my place to here. So like, not even all of that was, was public stuff. Maybe, maybe half a dozen times I'd been out, air quotes, in public. Yeah, I spend a lot of time here alone. Corey got it. Yeah. And he tested positive, but I wasn't testing positive and I wasn't running a temperature at all. So I went and did that show. I think it was like the end of January. But like the few, like the day or so after that, I started feeling really sick. And like I just was so tired. So I was just a swig in the NyQuil, as they say. Hey, don't butt chug it. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm no. not, I am not that not, fresh yet. Not one of the kids. I got. I had a total princess moment though, because Corey got me Zico. Wanted to get me Zico instead, and I was like, "Don't you fucking throw Benadryl at me!" I need. I need the real. I shit. need the stuff with a little bit of alcohol in it. I need the stuff that makes it. Oh. It reminds you of a shot. Yeah, I guess so. I did. I that reminds me of that one time I drank a bottle of Jaeger when I had a cold because I was like, if this is basically Nyquil, why not? Like, is it Nyquil? It's not. I get what you mean. Thought it was constant. Well, no, I was just I was like twenty something, twenty three. I think. To have fun. And I, well, no, I was, I knew I was sick, but all my friends wanted to hang out and drink. And I, I, I can't, like, I assume if I say no to friends once, I'll never see them again, especially at that age. So I was like, well, Jaeger's the same thing as NyQuil. Like, they taste the same. Like, yeah. They, I woke up feeling worse than I, yeah, it was. Oh, man, that's awful. But yeah, so, like, I just started sipping NyQuil pretty hard. So I was sleeping a lot, but that made my back hurt really bad. And now that you, Said that it potentially was it does attack your spine if that makes sense. Well, like the weird part is like my back will hurt. I have back pain and and arthritis in like various parts of my body because of the back issues. And like when it gets colder, I do hurt in spots. And it's not. It, I'm just saying that like science has shown that it's like a weird. It's not a. It, it, it's not prognostication. It's not like oh, I can tell it's getting cold. It's more like duh. 
<laughs> like things are happening around you and your body responds to it. And, but, but my point being that like, I just thought because it got really cold around Christmas, that's what was up with my back. And then that was why I was so snotty. And I mean, I honestly don't think we, you passed it. No, I don't think so either. Cause, cause like I was really paying attention to how I felt and I didn't spend time with anyone. You caught it after I'd been, yeah, you caught it after I'd been like good for, after I'd gotten a clean test and right. had like a week and a half of, of. He was clean folks. He was clean. Corey, on the other hand, was filthy because he had to work directly with the public with a very anti-mask, probably anti, also anti-vax crowd. Yeah, like his his place to work without going into details. It's the kind of place a lot of, a lot of people like that are going to show up, and a lot of people. And it's it's weird because it's a pseudo outdoor environment, so you can kind of understand you. You have to go through his place of business to get to this other place that's outside. You need to wear this. So, but you only have to you you nominally have to wear it for like that brief period, and and it's that brief period that you have to be challenged that those guys hate the most. And it's it's those guys, of and course. How people got shot at the beginning of the pandemic. Yeah, working not, at the front of stores. Yeah, when I was at Planned, that I was. I don't want to get political, but no, that was one of the issues. Was there were COVID kills people with guns. There were. <laughs> there, it uses guns now, folks. Like I dealt with it all the time, where it was like, "Hey, will you put on a mask?" And they explode at you, and it's like, anger is great. Misplaced anger is useless, and. You you know that, and there were clerks in like areas that were more either more conservative or sometimes more impoverished. So you're even more stressed out, which is like a very real thing that I think people don't always want to accept. Is like the other issue with poverty is it's stressful. It's it's an extra layer it of stressful. it's just static in the back of your head where you're like fuck 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 fuck. I will say there's there's a line with that, though, because, like, we were driving through Idaho last summer, and, like, Corey had a mask on, he was going into a gas station in a small town, and, like, a lady's outside sweeping who clearly works there, and she's like, oh, you didn't, you, know, you don't need to wear one of those if you don't want to, and he's like, I, I want to, and I was, I was thinking to myself, I was like, Maybe this is the bravado of me, I was like, she would have said that to me, I was like, I'm doing this because I don't want to kill my dad. Yeah. Well, it's, sorry. It's the, the, and then I would have stabbed her. Well, it's because that you have the same misplaced anger. I would argue. Yeah, I, no, I hate. I, I hate misplaced argue. anger, but I felt like that was going a step yeah. in the wrong direction. Of like, yes, you can want to have your own autonomy, but pushing on someone else's and like indicating yeah. that they should take their mask off. And what I meant by your own misplaced anger, because I want to clarify, that was one of the. Just the really I think one of the reasons I wanted to do this episode was to get to the misplaced anger issue that I think is one of the problems with COVID. Because... I do think that was a bit of fair anger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's fair. I just think it's unfair that we... The the problem is we can only express our anger at the people we interact with. And the ones that we potentially have power over. And unfortunately, we live in a customer is always right kind of society. Yeah. Thanks, capitalism. I I understand her stance of trying to be like, I want you to have freedoms, darling. I, I don't know. I, I shouldn't colloquialize someone like that, but whatever. I'll be, I'll be areaist in that sense. But I also understand your reaction, which is very real. You don't want to kill your dad. Well, I don't want... I, and I mean, I think the reason I feel valid in that is that there are so many people who will not acknowledge the immunocompromised and disabled people that they are in circles with or in, like, next circles of and beyond that any time they aren't being careful, they are endangering the most vulnerable population. That's what's frustrating to me is that I grew up thinking that was the goal. I grew up thinking that's what we were trying to do. And it's really frustrating to learn over and over again that that is exactly the opposite. And the people who are in the most danger are the ones that have had to sacrifice so much to even put get us to where we're at now. I'm sorry. I'm so mad. I'm so fucking mad. You're allowed to be mad. And I think it's a reasonable, like I said, I think the anger is righteous. I think the problem is we can't go to, we can't go to Joe Biden and have this conversation is the problem. But, but like right at like the hip bones, it's just like, so it's like that weird, like so you just crunch. So, he's in his eighties, right? It's got to be brittle in there. Yeah, it's got to be all. Hey, I'm sorry, everyone. I'm being very violent right now. It's been a rough couple of days. 
not sleeping a lot, but I am making beautiful art. I do. I do think there's two two things. One, there's this problem where it's like you you we are denied by our system access to the people who are responsible for it. I I kind of want to repeat often through the episode that like. We didn't get COVID so much as we were given it because we didn't have a full shutdown. We didn't have... Yeah, no, we, we had the most half-assed one that so many people complained through. And a lot of it, yes, was valid complaining. But some of the complaining came from very bad places and especially directed down. And the other end of that is that like it is kind of the system's fault. And the problem is the people in power in the system got into power because they know how to use the system to get into power. So, of course, they're going to do everything they can to avoid responsibility for the consequences of their actions. You know what's really frustrating? As horrible as Kevin Spacey is, and as much as House of Cards is canceled a million times over, the selfishness of politicians and the way it's portrayed in that show, I think is beyond accurate oh for sure i and it wasn't necessarily predictive but at least it was i mean it was very sensationalized the threesome with the like security detail guy spicy i i must have missed a lot i watched like half of the first season was like okay i get what you're doing and i you know what made me the most mad what how's the cards there's 52 cards in the deck there's 13 episodes in each season there was more than four seasons so they didn't get to 52, or did they go well, over? they went over. Oh, okay. Well, I and it got very bad. It's it's a problem I've always had, which is, like, since I was very young, have seen all politicians, at least in America especially, as on the same team. Just, like, like, like it's the Globetrotters and the, the, the Generals, I think it is, like the Harlem Globetrotters and the Washington Generals. Yeah. I've... I've always seen politics as that. That is just whoever has the ball, whoever's in power gets to be the Globetrotters and the other side is the Washington Generals. When I was younger, the Democrats were very much in charge. We had like Clinton and shit. And I wasn't, I wasn't politically aware. I was a poor white trans kid trying like to deal with trauma. So you thought those were Democrats when it really is like, no, those were Republicans. No, I thought those were all the same people. Like as, as a kid, as this was a thing that like really messed with me when I started comedy. I didn't realize Fox and CNN were like parts of a spectrum. I thought they were the same thing. So I didn't watch either or. And so people would be like, you gotta watch CNN. And I'm like, why? It's all, it's all just the same. It's all just rich people trying to maintain wealth. Like, how are they different? And like, but because I wasn't educated and I didn't have a lot of terms, people were like, it's like, yes, they're still made by the wealthy, but they, they're a little bit more interested in some factual nature. Yeah. I think what's really important. It's Veronica and Betty. Eroded on both sides. And it's not in that. The left side, or you know, moderates, aren't telling the truth. It's that they are selectively engaging with the truth. I think it's that, and it's 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 a multiple thing. I think it's a they don't interact with it in good faith. They interact with it according to the the main problem is what's going to make them money or what's going to keep and them employed. People watching the TV. yeah, and we could totally how beautiful is Rachel Maddow. Yeah, yeah. Handsome and beautiful at the same time. They're all handsome. You know what I mean? Like, they're all presentable. That's why they're on there. (laughs) But they also aren't... Their job isn't to engage with the news. It's just to present it. And it's not to... to, I mean, same thing with us. We're not... I mean, I guess we are engaging with it. I don't know. But I don't think it's any one major thing that, that... that ruins the system. I think it's a bunch of little things. And it's also acknowledging that we've never really had a good version of the media. There was a brief period, like late 50s, early 60s, where the news was actually honest and had to be. And besides that, it's never really existed since or before. And even then, it didn't exist in that great a measure. It was just burgeoning. It was just like sort of starting. A thing we could have done, like socialists will tell you this all the time, is we could set up like trusts for newspapers and shit, where like the money was independent of wealth and government and just a legitimate job. Where- and isn't the BBC 
kinda like that a little more. Yeah, OPB. You're supposed to pay your entertainment tax and stuff. Yeah, and TV tax or whatever. Yeah, and OPB is sort of the American version of that, and I know other nations have various ways that they do. And so, like, there's like PBS. Yeah. Oh, I said OPB. Yeah, yeah, PBS, NPR. It's OPB is Oregon Public Broadcasting. Yeah, you guys are so. I thought it was, no, I thought everybody had their, like, I thought there was, like, a Montana public broadcasting. I think there kind of was. I'm not sure. The hippie dippies on the corner listen to NPR or, like, Montana NPR or whatever. And then um, my friend Kathleen, her parents were both, like, in politics. I'm like, so, like, they listen to it, too. And I just kept thinking, I was like, okay, some of this is kind of interesting, but most of this is very boring. And I am so not into it. Well, that's and I feel so uncultured. That's one of the tricks that we've played on ourselves about the news is that it either has to be it has to be boring like that, and it's the same trick we played with history and shit. Where it, if it's boring and dry and it's just information, you're not going to engage with it. You're not really going to think about it. If I tell you, you know, Amazon workers are looking to unionize, and there there will be a vote for it on Wednesday. There's not much there for you to care about. If I tell you, hey, people who are pissing in bottles uh, as they're handling your packages, and if they try to leave, they face, face legal consequences sometimes because of contract negotiate. Like, oh, God. That, and that's like one thing that's been really frustrating, too, is there's been this really constant erosion of advocating for your rights, and like even there's even been Supreme Court decisions that are making it so it's harder to advocate for federally mandated labor laws and shit. Like, at, if, like, you work for certain corporations, it's just not an option in your state to do it because your state doesn't give a shit about X, Y, or Z. I hate that, like, unions have been made to be this bad thing, and it's like, they're never going to be perfect because they're a response to capitalism. Yeah. Like, putting the kibosh on collective bargaining against your employers, I just don't get why that's a bad thing. My... The the point I'm trying to make, like talking about the news and this, is that there's no 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 you're fine because it it loops back to this is that there's there's no one broad solution right like unions aren't a universal solution they're just a a thing that pushes the wheel of progress kind of in the right direction at least and like I don't have the studies in front of me but the studies exist that show when you get people unionized they start thinking more politically in all kinds of directions yeah and then their communities specifically there's so many of these places that we think of as like racist and shit that aren't racist in part because of like their local unions and their communities and the the deal is they have institutionalized racism that's so extreme they can't help but kind of trickle down and impact them in a, like, trickle down might not work in economics, but it works in a whole bunch of other things. And that's one of them. I know it sucks that we, we live in a system where we can't just have one broad solution, but unions are a small start. Media has a similar thing where it's like, there's a bunch of little things we could do to make it better so that reporting would be better. And it's the same thing with government. There's a bunch of little things we can do. We can't just like, I can't just get voted president and fix things. As much as I would love it, that would lead to all kinds of com- complications. I am definitely prone to nepotism. There would be a huge amount of cronyism. Uh, Rochelle? I think, I think, so here's the problem. You would Your get Montana. nepotism would be so expansive, and like you'd be so willing to sit down with anyone who had a problem and be like, yeah, let's talk about it. We'd never get anything done. Like, I, I, I think because you, you, you believe in relationship anarchy, I think that would end up applying to how you would enact your dictatorship. True. So I'm not really afraid of you taking power. Oh, I am. I'm, I'm very scared of what it would do to me. I would definitely, there would you be ways. You nap so much, though. No, but you don't at that level of power. That's the other problem is you're not, this is a thing I think we, we don't think about. Oh, like, but, but you're not, you're, you're not a person when you're, no, more importantly, you're not, the weird thing is Joe Biden or Putin or whoever's in charge of China, I forget the name, uh, uh, Winnie the Pooh. If you're any of those people, you don't actually get to be yourself. You have to be whatever your, your role is. And your personality might bleed through, but like in a weird way, it's, and that's not to take away from their responsibility within the system, but I think like everything's scheduled for you. You know what I mean? And you have shit to do. So you don't get to be, 
who you want to be. The system molds you to itself. There, That's true. There's like inertia and gravity. You're giving a lot of credit though, because I think Trump took a lot of naps. Oh no, I think, but I think you can do that because the system has a lot of inertia and it will just take care of itself to a certain extent. So you know. Yeah. I think if you try to go there to make a change, it will change you. Like, I just think the, the same way it will carry on even if you nap That's the whole time. I guess so. Are you a small government nation trying to go right wing? Do you want to illegally sell cocaine on the streets of America? A fan of arming dissidents with small arms? Then have I got the cryptocurrency for you. Crypto Infographic America. That's right. The CIA is here to make sure all of your coup needs are met. All right. So we got our experiences. Did we? Oh, we didn't. Do you feel like you've gotten all the way better from it? Or do you do you feel like you have anything lingering? I feel like. Take you longer to feel better. I feel like a month on, I'm still dealing with a little bit more excess nasal issues than I'm usually dealing with. But like I said, I'm always dealing with nasal issues, especially in the winter. It's and, just hard to avoid. And I smoke a lot of weed for my back instead of take pills. So like, there's gonna be. It's I think I always tell people of like I smoke enough weed I could get cancer from it. But it's because I've decided that's better than all the other consequences of, like, heavy traditional opiate use. Why can't they have, like, an insulin pump but for weed? The issue is also that's not how you manage pain. Like, pain, part of the problem is we teach people pain will go away. And it's and when you have chronic pain like I have, the issue isn't how do I make it go away. It's how do I survive the worst of it. And then manage it when it is manageable. But, like, wouldn't that be a good thing to at least in- yeah. improve a baseline and just kind of have that consistently in your system? And part of the like, reason we don't have... You're not hurting your lungs or your sinuses. Yeah. That. And, like, part of the reason is, is, is I'm, I'm a prima donna and I don't eat edibles enough because they don't they don't fuck me up, right? But also, like, well, I don't... they can fuck you up. But I my, my problem is I don't know consistently what to get with edibles, and I can kind of tell by the lungful what's the right and wrong amount to smoke. But I, to answer the more nuanced question of, like, why don't we have that is because for the whole time that pot and other things have been legal, we've just never explored any of their impacts, and we've suppressed research in other places because it was illegal just, here. Like, not only suppressed it, did not allow it an opportunity at all. Because, like, people think suppressing means, like, you shut it down to that it's happening. It also means just making sure there's no federal funding. Yeah, can go to. and if... It can't be used for military research or something. Like, legally, you have to... If you want to do a legal government experiment with weed 15, 20 years ago... I don't know what it's like now, but I know 15, 20 years ago, you have to get approval from the federal government since it's illegal the from them. One yeah, drug. and you have to get approval for the people that are going to get tested for it. They can't be doing other things. They can't blah, blah, blah. Like, you have to do it in controlled circumstances, and you're if you find positive research, they might not publish it because then they're like, "Well, the, this goes against what we've been telling people." So whatever, right. like research can get buried, I imagine too, and just not be brought to light. Yeah, there's some of that, and there's also like as long as we have an industry that says it can solve the problem of pain for most people, because the the deal with opiates and pain is like it will negate pain right away and instantly, but you can become addicted to them the more you use them. Your brain is like, oh, this is awesome. I'm not going to do anything until I get it. That's what addiction is, basically. In in a very, 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 very reductive form. It's more complicated than that. Like, I'm not going to do anything until I do it, or I'm going to do everything in my power to ensure that I can do it again. Yeah, and you're going to think about... Anyway, but it's if you have chronic pain, you're more likely to get addicted for, for the double reason of you feel better. Like, when you deal with pain all the time, just having not pain feels phenomenal, right? But then the other problem is you also don't just not feel pain, you get high. And so those two things are very easily kind of intertwined and interconnected. So it's like, it was very, it's very hard for me to accept, not hard, I'm phrasing that weird. It's, I can see how people end up chasing the dragon, so to speak, because you're not just trying to get high, you're trying to not feel awful. 
which is something entirely different. And yeah. the fact that it also gets you high means you associate not feeling the worst with being high instead of just not feeling the worst. If that if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. Cuz like I think when it comes to like people who become addicted not because of pain reasons but just because of like emotional reasons and because I do think that... Which is a pain reason. I yeah, think. that is a pain reason. Like, I really appreciated when you brought up the other day that emotional pain is similar to physical pain. Like, they're, they're not separate from each other. And I really appreciated that because I think that's sometimes something really hard for people to grasp if it was never acknowledged or addressed when you were a child. And kind of how that ties to COVID, since we're circling squares here, it's easy for us to have... A little bit more empathy now that we've been over the hump of COVID. We'll see. We'll 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 see. We're over the hump for us personally having COVID this at this time. moment. At, at this, this moment, who knows? Like I keep on, I keep on hearing news like this is the end, sign of the end, or like is this a sign of the end, or maybe it's no. I don't. I'm just like I am going to live my life as if this is not over because it's not going to be. There's probably a lot longer than that because. We are accelerating things that would have happened maybe 20, 30 years down the road because we are just breakneck going towards production regardless of if we need shit. You're right in that like, there's going to be people with long COVID with symptoms that ex- persist. This is a mass disabling event. I don't know if a full shutdown would do anything now. But because we didn't take those dramatic measures, I think it's going to kind of continue. I'm not an epidemiologist, so I don't like this is me talking out of my ass, but it's going to continue to change and mutate. I think the the powers that be are expecting us to see it like a flu. Joe Biden, I guess, to to put a face on it, is hoping we will see COVID as a flu, as a thing that you get a shot and it might happen to you. It might not, but it shouldn't shut down the economy. Meanwhile, People are fucking getting their lungs filled up with blood and being permanently disabled in a variety of ways because of what is definitely not just a flu. Some people, like, literally cannot stomach most, if not all, seasonings and or foods. And, like, and that's the people who know what they had and got treated, right? We went and got tested. That was the main reason I wanted to get a test was to confirm that was what I was dealing with. Yeah. And that's one of the issues with poverty is I don't know how many fucking times in my life I've been sick and it's just been a shrug emoji about what it was. Like, I've had rashes that went across my face that went away that I was like, well, cool, I don't know what caused that, but I hope it never happens again. Do you think you got, like, a really lame superpower that you have no idea about because Uh, of that infection? Like, I can only talk to ravens, but since we live in the Pacific Northwest, all I have is crows. (laughs) (laughs) Um, One thing... Two was when Corey was sick. I think it hit him a little bit harder, I think, than it hit me. Um, but, like, mine just, like, stretched out, and I just was so tired. No, I was I was out for, like, kind of all of Christmas vacation, so to speak. Like, Tom, like, my kid was real bummed because we were going to hang out for Christmas vacation, and it was like, I'm, we can't, I, I, I've got diarrhea and back pain. And that was the, yeah, that was the other thing. The the, the diarrhea was not what I was expecting to get. I did not have that. Okay. Like, I had a couple, like, weird, fluffy ones, but, like, out of the order, I think I also just have extremely regular bottles. I do not want to brag, but I am. Um blessed in that array. That it's a thing my buddy does anytime it's sick. It's like, look, we're just gonna turn everything to liquid just to yeah, be sure. Get just it all yeah. Out. yeah. We've had a lot of bad experiences so far. <laughs> look, we've lost vertebrae and teeth and Lord knows what else. Like just just liquefy and release. Because <laughs> I think we've covered our experience. I'm gonna get water and then How dare you like, I, I want to reiterate that we are talking about our very two two very specific experiences with COVID. But I also and want. I come from a place of just getting really angry. <laughs> Folks, it's come to my attention that we also have a sponsor. Cacinate. You've heard it right. Cacinate. To laugh loudly. <laughs> Patrick wanted to make sure you knew what it sounded like. So from now on, the Joker doesn't laugh. He kef, 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 He cacinates. 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 The synonym we have here is guffaw. Cacinate uh, sounds very aggressive. I like it. I, that's what I'm gonna. That is what I'm gonna call it from now on. When somebody is at an open mic and tells a joke so awful 
nobody should laugh, but I find it funny that they were willing to go up and tell that joke. When, when they're caffeinate. like, yeah, I didn't laugh at you, open micer. I caffeinated. <laughs> you didn't caffeinate, Patrick. You had the statistics page. I did not. Oh well, so I I want to talk about um what I did at the beginning of the pandemic. Oh no, that's good because I was at the store for all of that. I was gonna joke when you were talking about like how you missed out on work. I was like, yeah, and Harriet said I couldn't give you money because she said you were just gonna buy buy drugs. I was. I... <laughs> was that too? Was that inappropriate? Was the protagonist in Atlas Shrugged? Or the Fountainhead, or the other one. I've never, I don't know, I've, I've only John ever... John Galt? Sure. Isn't that... That sounds right. That's Harriet's boyfriend. Oh. <laughs> or like a dude protagonist in a Ben Shapiro book. Oh, what's the name of the guy? Remember when they take a bullet for you, babe? Brad. I feel like, I feel like it's a Brad. Harriet. Brad. Those do sound like some white names. I severely... Thoroughly enjoy the idea of like her being like super problematic, but in that like super wimpy way. Like a cat would. Like she's not doing anything. But she I'm just, just I'm just these things. I'm just saying, why do we have to tip them? They're already getting paid. It's part of their job to do the service. Yeah. And if they don't do a good job, I'm actually not going to tip at all. Yeah. So if they're not Harriet doing a great job, leaves. I can't pay them less. So why should I tip them for doing more? Harriet leaves um, the first chapter of like some shitty like libertarian dystopic novel that she's writing as as a tip. As a tip. That's her tip. You can trade. So pretentious, Harriet. She's like, I just want a place to nap, guys. I'm. So. What I was going to say um, is that COVID. when the pandemic really started, when I started to fully understand how serious it was, because, like, you remember, I was kind of skeptical to begin with, because I was just like, what the fuck is even happening? Because, mm-hmm. like, it was so, it's, I feel like it's been hard to decipher if something's actually going on or if the media is putting it on blast, because that does happen. Is this just a grabby headline that will pass? Or Yeah, like I, I was having a hard time getting the grasp of it, but like as I was starting to become clear how serious this was going to be and how deadly it was going to be, I ended up like coming glued to this um, YouTube live stream. It's like Roy Lab, and they just have a constant ticker of what's going on with, like, the statistics around the world. And they have really chill beats. 5,769,401 deaths worldwide. Oh, wow. As of now. Total cases worldwide, 397,266,244. So, a third of a billion people have been infected with COVID. And that's my case hasn't counted because it's never, I, I didn't, I just didn't at home. So. So that's not counting, counting. And so was Corey's. Well, no, he, he had official testing. And when I did test, I tested negative. And honestly, I'm a little worried that like, I wasn't going to test positive because they were saying there's an Omicron variant that isn't, uh, isn't really showing up with the rapid testing. Turning off the music. There, there are just under 8 billion people in the world, so yeah. almost a billion is about one in eight. Well, it's not almost a billion. It's a third of a billion. Oh, wow. So, but that's still... we're, we're at like 124th, that's... so one in every 24 people has reported having COVID. And, and that's reported. Important, yeah, it's important to understand you. There has been over-reporting in some cases, I imagine, but for the most part, from my understanding, it has all been under-reporting. And with deaths, we can do the same kind of like weird math where it's like there's there's plenty of deaths that might not get attributed to COVID that are COVID-related because... Because there wasn't one around enough resources. People didn't want to go into the hospital. People couldn't go into the hospital. And inversely, I'm sure there's also incidences of people who died from something that was not COVID that got labeled COVID because like, oh, it's air trouble. Whatever. Cool. COVID. Like, yeah, but I, I think for a lot of medical personnel, they knew probably when it was yeah. specifically COVID because I think there was very specific symptoms involved in the beginning. Like 
especially when they realized they had to like put patients like on their stomachs, kind of like elevated. Yeah. So like supine position, I believe is the term. Once you once you have <laughs> once you can only once you're only allowed to sleep in a certain position, your life is is Yeah, and I mean think about in recent history any sort of mass infection that is done something that drastic. Yeah. And like I guess what I would think of as the most recent one for us would probably be polio. And I mean, then you also obviously think of the flu of the early twentieth uh, century, nineteen nineteen twelve. So whatever the Spanish, whatever when you're not racist, the Spanish flu is nineteen something. But there's also like well, we also had that thing what was it f- swine flu or whatever a few years back where we actually nipped it in the bud. Yeah, we did nip it in the bud, and I mean it also spread. It it wasn't like a air airborne one. It was very. I think it was very like. You had to touch things other people were touching and stuff. I think. I could be wrong. Because there were a few cases at my uh, dorms when I was in college. And it didn't seem to spread really quick. But the people who had it were really fucking sick. For me, at the start of it, there was a bunch. I was working the whole time. And so the, the change I was seeing was, A, the roommates of mine who could stay home were able to. If that lately, the roommates who didn't have a choice stayed home and everyone else kind of didn't have a choice but to go alternately. So, like, uh, they all had to quit. Meanwhile, like, my roommate and I, who worked in different convenience stores, didn't get to quit because we were essential and, like, weren't really given the option to quit. And at least I was. I was kind of like, you can quit, but we're not going to give you unemployment for it. Like you can, you you yeah. can, you can try to get pandemic unemployment, but there's no promise you will. So it was, and most of what I saw was like from the perspective of what I was seeing my customers go through, if that makes sense. And so it was, it was weird to experience the pandemic kind of third hand that way, where it was like I was more seeing like people were having to move because they couldn't work, but they were getting insurance but they, or, or, or unemployment, but they weren't getting enough to pay for the life that they'd had before. So they were like, well, great. Now I have to move back in with my parents or I have to find new roommates or yeah. I, I'm stuck by one lady that like came in and just cried because she was just like, I don't have anyone to talk to. My kid's far away. I don't have a husband anymore. Like I, I don't know. There were just so many people whose routine was like, I'm just going to get a bottle of wine and sit this out for the day for 600 days. So I can kind of understand why like people want to be over it, right. seeing it that way. Like for me, like I, I decided to quit drinking at the start. I, I guess it kind of radicalized me in a way because I was like, wow, all this, all this time of me being Bruno, I guess I should finally start singing or something. I don't oh know. Oh my God. But it did happen earlier because I was too high and he was talking about too many depressing things and I told him to stop being Bruno and now I'm never going to live it down. I was really optimistic at the start because I thought it would bring people together. It would start getting people to realize yeah. like like the mutual kind of what I've heard called the, the hyper-oppression that occurs to people. Because we're all oppressed in a myriad of ways. And the thing I've always realized is you don't get a deal with it until you get to sit around and be like, oh, shit. Part of the reason I, I advocate that people sit with their discomfort sometimes is like that's how you discover what's wrong. And that's sometimes the only way you can get through some of the worst stuff. Sometimes you just have to cry because if you don't, you're not getting the poison out. Uh, my point was just at the start, I was I was certain we were going to see, I mean, kind of what we saw a little bit with the George Floyd protests of people realizing on multiple levels that the the knee on your throat is the boot on mine and vice versa. And however, the the gun yeah. pointed at you can be swung to me, whatever, whatever metaphor you want to use. I was hoping that this would be potentially a catalyst for some change. And like, I think what's really hard is that change is so constant that it can feel like it's staying the same. Mm-hmm. There has been a huge amount of change. Like, there's people in my life who think drastically different things than they did when we were in college or just a few years ago. So it's been really nice to see people becoming a little more aware and really understanding more of the context around these talking points that have seemed pretty unchangeable before Yes. To hear some of my old college friends say, like, fuck the police, I was like, 
Oh, I guess it's beautiful. You go to the beach, and you know when like mul- the tide's coming in, but like multiple waves are coming in at once. I guess I've always felt the tide is going away, and now that it's even remotely coming this way, I'm still kind of like go faster, go faster, go faster. Yeah, no, I guess no, is my is is that's part of my 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 current attitude is just to clarify. Yeah. And I mean. Unfortunately, I live in a place in my head and how I see the world. We, I will never feel like it's going to be fast enough because I am just too anxious and too afraid. Well, I think, and too aware of all the things in our way. I, I think that's part of the, the problem people have with taking action in general. Like if everybody stopped going to work tomorrow, I think part of the reason people are are resistant to even that idea is because your your kids won't see the real benefits of that it'll be like two or three generations down the line that will we will see changes and fixes and just like that tide analogy the other thing about the tide going further away from me that means it's going to come back in to where i want it to be at some point the further out it goes the more it has to come back in I think there is some truth to that, but I do think that there's a way to minimize that spring back when we more honestly address the problems instead of we can make a trying dike. to band vent. But yeah, like in band aids. Uh, so we're trying to bring more water in. Whatever that thing is, right? a dam, a wall. I mean, what I'm yeah, just yeah. Saying, like we're trying to bring water back in. I, I guess I'm mixing my metaphor up here. You know. But I know what you mean. Like it's it's like we can the do. The goal is to get the water up the beach, and I know technically there's no way to do that in the analogy we're talking about. But it's like I think there are ways for us to make sure that those steps forward are more lasting. And I'm just getting more and more hesitant and skeptical that those things can happen within existing systems. I, I think there's very limited possibility that the existing systems can ever be quote-unquote good you know how you were talking about with rome like it felt like it was the end of the world because like nothing else was going to happen after this is just the way it was going to be i'm worried that there isn't going to be drastic enough change to really shake us out of this neoliberal capitalism before there is a potentially like insanely destabilizing event that wipes out if not all of us a giant percentage. What is 5 million people but a pretty decent chunk of people? Yeah. Okay. That's 5 million people so, dead in addition to however many have caught it, in addition to consequences that that expend kind of exponentially from that. You know, a parent dies, they lose not only their income, but their kids lose their income and their stability. That kid might get transferred to another parent. Speaking of, so there has been 926,890 deaths in the United States, 78,145,843 cases, according to these statistics. Um, the amount of cases, like I think that's how they organize it. Uh, no, I think they're doing it by death. No, I don't know how they're organizing it. But um, I think, especially when I was watching this a lot, because I was fucking doom scrolling this at the beginning of like things, and I would I would have it open as a tab at work so I could look at it in between calls. Mm-hmm. That's healthy. It would be really unsettling to see like a lot of the way America was having case increase. And also having, um, like, death toll was so much higher, and it was comparable to these countries that we keep on calling, quote-unquote, shithole countries. I keep I keep making this joke, but the shithole was the country we made along the way. Make America shithole again? <laughs> I mean, there was that dude way back in the early part of Trump's presidency who was like, how about make America great at all? And all the politicians booed him, and I was like, I like that guy. I don't remember his name, but I like that guy. He doesn't uh, exist anymore. But what I was going to say, too, is that, like, now I'm at, yeah, I'm at this point in the pandemic where it's really hard to think that there is any sort of light at the end of this tunnel unless a lot of things happen. And I I keep worrying that I'm not um, uh, doing what I should be doing, but also trying really hard to do the things that I want to do and think are useful well i think that gets to that yeah kind of the end point and then we can joke about the scam part oh, as we yeah. i think a lot of people face that and the thing i've been thinking about in regards to that it goes back to that thing we were saying earlier of 
we didn't catch COVID nearly as much as we were given it by the situation that like we couldn't just stay home and self-isolate. And it would be easy enough to blame anti-maskers, anti-vaxxers, but they only get fuel for the fire by the fact that a lot of the only options we're given are the wrong options. And it's like that thing about how there's no ethical consumption under capitalism. Well, I think part of the fine print of that is that means you got to do what's best for you ethically. If that's creating a podcast where you try to explain to people like, hey, it's okay to have all these complicated, nuanced ideas. And like, we don't know what the right thing is, but we know what the wrong things are. So let's not do those. And to make sure not to blame each other. Like, like, like blame to, to steal from my therapist. Blame is what you give people who won't accept responsibility. And I think both of us are both willing to, and a lot of, most of our listeners do, are willing to look at our, our situations in life and be like, okay, yeah, you know what? I probably personally probably shouldn't have gone out nearly as much as I did. Probably should have made sure to keep up with washing my hands a little bit more and probably should have been a little bit more selective about the shows I took. But at the same time, one of my roommates, two of the people I worked for, and a number of other comics caught COVID independently of me, before me, and I don't blame them for it either. So I guess I'm just like... I didn't have to lean so heavily into my perler bead selection. Like, I did not need to buy that many plastic beads to melt into pixel shapes. True. But at least you're not a fascist. Yeah. I'm making yeah. false equivalent. I'm making I'm making scale symbols with my I hands. I accused someone of being Nazi, but it was because they were just being mean to themselves. And I was like, you know who else did that? The Nazis. Nazis. And you're not a Nazi. Oh, no, I'm not saying, like, no, you're not a Nazi. So knock it off. <laughs> I was looking up a thing about this. It's the- like the opposite of, like, you know there was a carpenter about 2,000 years ago. Something funny to say about that. You might turn the chair backwards, but make it always about, you know, the Nazis. Yeah. You know who you're not? You're not. I over-explained it. You're fine. I have no feelings or connection to anything. Desert power. Desert power. Desert power. Desert power. Desert power. The spice must flow. But yeah, so I took Pat to get tested somewhere, and then Corey and I got tested there. And, like, now that we know it was a scam, there's definitely a good amount of red flag stuff that I was seeing happening. But it literally was the first time I had to get tested. Yeah, because, like, well, the, the vaccination thing, it was very, very clearly, like, governmental. You know what I mean? Like, there was just enough apathy and just enough, like... Uh, I'm at work to know that it was governmental, whereas everyone at the at the test site did seem confused. Yeah. But I just figured that was confusion because so like it was next to a grocery store, like not even like a chain store, but like no, like a kind of like hole in the wall. They definitely have good beer. They probably have some okay groceries, and like there's gonna be some variability in there. If you remember Cost of Convenience, it was uh, probably what Pancinetti owned before he bought a plaid pantry. Yes. Like that kind of pseudo-grocery sort of corner store. If the Weasley family had a convenience store. It would have been that place. Like this place, they, the, the... <laughs> the testing site. Like, so when you went, they gave you the stuff and you tested yourself in the parking lot. Yeah. So when Corey and I went... They made us go back to our car, and we parked in the same spot. You know where at? You know, yeah, yeah, like, like a block, block and a half and away, a half, give or take. Yeah, we had to walk a block and a half there and back with our test, and like it was just weird because like it was asking for some pretty reasonable information, like name, age, proof of insurance, and then they asked for your driver's license, and then they asked for a photo of your driver's license. <laughs> So I didn't put the phone in my and I'm like, I'm not going to give you my driver's license. You don't need that. And yeah. like, what, are you not going to give me the results? Like, yeah, are you? you do? So I just sent a picture of me with Harriet. I was like, here you go. Uh, and Corey did put his driver's license in there. So, and then, so then we found out it was probably scammy like a few days later. And we're just like, well, that's great. Uh, it looks like the scam isn't really for people who went. It looks like the issue was they would get expired or or cheap or tests that were just like, 
somebody else threw away, essentially. Yeah, it seemed very, like, slapdash, put together. It, it just seemed like a big old mess. But the scam, I guess, was based on the fact that, you know how they were like, oh, we'll, we'll reimburse people for tests. So if I go to your free place and do the test, I don't need to be reimbursed. You do. So if you have proof that 500 people came through yeah, here yeah. and got tests, you get to be reimbursed for 500 tests. After this, I went and just went to the store to cuz I need tests, yeah, cuz yeah. I had a gig and I was like I need to I need to know for sure. I feel fine, but I need to know for sure. Yeah. And that was like 26 bucks at like some and that took forever to find out like some grocery store in the bougie part of town that I had to like ride a bus to, which was Patrick on I, bus? Well, no, I'm on a bus regularly. I'm exactly. poor. That's that's it's how beautiful. <laughs> you make that bus look good. I may, I, I love when they do the red light at night. You know, like where part of the bars and lights are red. It's like mood lighting. Yeah, no, it totally makes you feel dystopian and full of poverty. I. It is a little soothing, though. <laughs> like at least, at least it's not as hard and bright when it's already dark out. My my, that's kind of the trick they're trying to play. When they say, hey, it's the maskless and the vaccinated, unvaccinated fault, is like, hey, don't look at the broader system. Look at your personal implication in it. And it's like, yeah, you do have personal responsibility. We do have, if I hadn't have been vaccinated and I'd gotten sick, I would be even less surprised. It's like how we keep seeing these stories about these people who are like on organ donation waiting lists and stuff like their donation. Like they're being refused for service because they won't get the vaccine. We shouldn't even have to be there. The the vaccine didn't need to be political in any way, shape, or form. Not to say that there aren't political elements of corruption and abuse within the medical industry, the pharmaceutical industry, governments in response to tragedy. Like, I get all of that. But it's just so frustrating that, like, the the, the waters have been so muddied that it's so hard for people to not be swept up by the craziest shit. And it's it also sucks because it makes sense because it's like, well, yeah, the same industry that let Vicodin get through to the streets and let, you know, a uh, uh, generation of parents think Xanax is an appropriate way to deal with trauma shouldn't be trusted. But that's different than vaccinations. But it's hard to have a conversation with people who don't have that information. And it's hard to educate people. And it's like, Part of the reason we do this show is because there's so many people who have done the work to make it kind of as dumbed down as they can that we're like, well, let's dumb it down even more. Right. <laughs> the news dump, making shit dumber. But it was just like so ridiculous to like go get tested somewhere, realize both times, like I felt it felt a little sketchy the first time we went, but I was like, okay, but this might just be something that like they were really trying to meet the needs and they're understaffed. And, and and then we were going through a search at the time. We were going through a search, so that kind of made sense. And then, like, when Corey and I went, it just, like, the whole thing was totally different. It just seemed really fucking weird. So, and I don't even know if they necessarily gave us bad tests. And it sucks, because it's, like, all I needed the first time, the, the time that we went, was to confirm that that's what was going on. And, I mean, I was pretty sure you had. Yeah, because, and at that point, I was, too, but it, it's useful to have that so you I can say... You to, like, get out of work, like, or, like, to be able to not go to work. They had to have a COVID test to show. In a way, I see the listeners as our bosses. And so, like, if I hadn't have gotten a COVID test, then I wouldn't be able to tell the listeners, hey, I was out because of COVID. I will disclose I did not test positive, but Corey did test positive on multiple on multiple tests. Yeah. And I had most of the same symptoms he had. I, I didn't test when things got really worse because I was just like, what's the fucking point? I feel like garbage. And then by the time I felt better, I just didn't go back to it. But That's the other – that's why I went out and bought a test was to be like, okay, for sure I don't, right? Because it's right. been – like I still felt, like I said, like phlegmy in my nose. Like my – my nasal tract hasn't cleared up since, and like I constantly deal with back pain, so I can ne- I don't know what's. Period. Hold on, I gotta fix this because over here has got a get her butt right up on the mic. And breaking as we're doing this episode, Oregon uh, from Twitter. Uh, Oregon made its indoor mask mandate permanent on Monday. That's today. However, officials said they will lift the rule by March thirty first at the latest. <laughs> We're having a permanent thing that we're done with in about a month. A little more than a month. A month and a half. I hate everything. So, 
I was freaked out by the pandemic. I'm still freaked out by the pandemic. It's annoying that we got swindled, and, like, even if we had red flags about it, we wouldn't have thought much of it. Yeah, I was pretty, I was pretty fucking shitty feeling, like, at the time. I felt pretty crappy. And so it's, like, there's so many aspects of this that could have been avoided if our government and non-governmental organizations, like, actually cared about your well-being. The huge point to learn about this, this is a mass disabling event, and we need to be paying attention to what is happening in legal proceedings surrounding disability. Because right now, governments and corporations are going to try and figure out as much as they can avoid being responsible for, or having to compensate you for, or allow for. If anything, this taught us how vulnerable people with disabilities are, and how easy it is for us to become disabled. So stop thinking about yourself as an able-bodied person. Just think of yourself as pre-disabled and live your life of it that way. And that's why kind of getting to know your neighbors, starting a community. Like, like it, the thing that got me through it was having friends like Rochelle who could bring me food and, like, friends whose internet I could access to watch movies. And, like, like I'm functionally a homeless person, like, on paper. I, you are, like, the you are a feral person there has been someone who's cool with keeping you in and cut taking care of you i mean that's you have a group you're raised by a community you don't know how pinpoint to conversations and therapy that is but okay. it's okay uh, my, my my the the takeaway i want people to have from that though is the things that get us through covid then aren't gonna be you know governments and businesses it's gonna be our community and our friends and like the I, I honestly can't trust, you know, the CDC about what's going on with COVID, but I can trust my friend who brought me some masks and some soup and who made sure I stayed hydrated and stuff. I didn't do anything to help hydrate. I, I can trust... Harriet said I couldn't... You you guys dropped off some groceries for me you at some point. You gave us some of that weed, and it was phenomenal. Yes. I I do occasionally luck into weed fairies. That's my that's my one superpower, is I can be starving, but somebody will be like, do you want a bowl? And I'll be like, yeah, I, can, you I can guess. Manifest. Yeah, it's 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 a useless superpower. That's what happened when I got that rash, was I could summon useless... Anyway. I think that's been a thing for a while for you. Though. Yeah. Because, like, that's something you I think you've brought up before, though, is that living in poverty, you have to become more dependent on the people around you and your community. And so that poverty can breed a type of family situation. And it, but it sucks too. Christmas Carol is showing that in a way is that look at what this community has to do because of how selfish you are. And it, it sucks that one of the boundaries to that is all of the kind of shame and internalized bullshit that like poverty and capitalism heaps up on us. It's hard to trust community in a system that's cutthroat because, yeah. in the, and, and I think that's why it's so revolutionary to have community even when you're kind of as scared a cat as i am as far as like i don't i don't think you're wrong in that analogy but like i, I don't think you're a scaredy cat but i think that you are very self-sufficient but you need help and, and that's a feral cat to me and i think that's a lot of people in general and i think that's why community it, and i think that's why it's important to reiterate that community is going to be how we will get through this and you have a parasite that you give people that makes them drawn to you and want to take care of you that's one of your superpowers. Yes. Yes, I'm so... You can't spell pathetic without Pat. No! I don't like that at all. Uh, no. <laughs> no, but that was funny to think of because I do like that, that that thing about cats and everyone freaks out about it. I'm like, I'm fine. Like, I'm okay that, with being obsessed with cats. It's a weird... It's a, it's a beautiful trick of... Sorry, that thing about cats. So there's a thing where there's a parasite in cat poop that humans and mice can pick up on that make us more receptive to being around cats. Yep. And that thing makes it hard for me to believe in conspiracy theories because random shit like that can happen all the time. Like, that could be the whole reason yeah, we like... That's, that's, like, big government didn't make cat poop. Cats didn't. Cats didn't figure out how to do that. That was that was that was evolution. That was just a happy coincidence. And it was like happenstance evolution. I guarantee you that parasite wasn't like. So here's the plan. The, that parasite wants to kill the cats, and, and the it gets to us. Different, there's it, different types of parasites. Oh, oh, okay. 
There are parasites that will not kill the host and honestly don't necessarily fully harm the host or it's just an inconvenience. No, it, wants to, it kills the rat because it wants to get inside the cat, is what I mean. Sorry, I, I said that. Weird. Oh, we, yeah. yeah. You're right. You're right. But for the cat, it works well. And for us, it doesn't. We, the cats don't eat us. Yeah, and, and we just use the cats to eat the rats that Do are attracted to it. Do big cats have that same thing? So if you think of big cats? Maybe. That would explain a lot. Ow! I'd love to thank our next sponsor. Uh, it means trivial or poorly constructed verse. It has nothing to do with dogs. Well, no, actually, have you ever seen a dog rap? They are terrible at it. They rhyme orange with orange. That's okay. that's how. That's well, except for Snoop Dogg. Snoop Dogg is the one dog who doesn't have dog roll raps. What about Little Bow Wow? I I've, I've heard he's got some dog roll shit. I actually don't know which one Little Bow Wow is. Um, I believe a synonym is also Limerick. I don't... Not running by that one, but you know... I once knew a Snoop who was dog, whose dick... Oh, what's our one? Yeah, if you ever want to um, talk about dogs but not talk about dogs, use doggerel instead. Alright, speaking of bad what? things, this has been the news dump. Our first yeah, one in a we, while. Are we wrapped up? I think so. Is there anything else we need to cover? No. Um... I would say going forward, getting to know your community, providing mutual aid when you can. I would like to thank my friend Erin Crouch. Uh, she lives in Germany and she actually sent me uh, rapid tests and she sent some masks because they're way fucking cheaper and way more accessible in Germany. So, like, I think that's what we all need to do is we need to share resources in the way that we can because it does look like Patrick was saying our system's really not interested in meeting those needs. All right. I mean, if you are interested in working within the system, paying attention to disability advocacy, I think, is one of your most important focuses. Like, obviously, the intersectionality of sexism, racism, homophobia, transphobia, uh, all those sort of things. But disability rights is really, like, kind of the nexus of a lot of those. Yeah, I, I recently heard the term super oppression to describe people who are oppressed in multiple ways. So, like, yeah. black women, for example. And, like, more often than not, disabled people, crippled people, we're super oppressed in some fashion i'm i'm pretty fortunate in that like my really big oppressions are poverty and disability like i can pass for most other things that the system likes and i'm aware that i have that privilege and i'm trying to use that to some sense with this show and in other ways the other takeaway from this is to, to be mad at the right people yeah like it's fine to i understand getting upset at the anti-vax and the unmasked and like i I get it, but they only exist because of a larger framework. And it's, it's this thing I've always thought where it's like, the bad guys are intersectional. And so they figured out if they break us apart and keep us from having solidarity, that's how they win. And if you're gonna, if you're gonna be mean to anti-maskers and whatever, just make it funny and chaotic like Patrick. Um, cause like, Sienna uh, Jade, she's jaded Sienna on Instagram, she's beautiful art. Uh, she said that you should just start laughing at people without masks and be like, you think you need to see your whole face? You think you can pull this off? Oh, I didn't get it on here. My move when I was at the store would be to be like, well, I don't confront people that I know are violent and white supremacists. And if you're not wearing a mask, clearly you're associating with those people. And I worked in bougie enough a neighborhood that like I would guilt people into like, oh shit, I didn't realize that that's what I'm being associated with. Oh yes, yes. That like it worked. It also it also got people it also at least once got a person being like, oh so that's who I'm associated with. Cool. Like <laughs> Oh my god. You never like you never want to have a positive interaction with a person and then find out, like, as you're partying, like, oh, no. No. <laughs> I just signed a petition for what? Or it's just, like, yeah. I just had a really nice conversation with someone with, like, a... What, how many number words tattoo it's, on their arm or it, something? It's, like, you're, you're, yeah. It's, like, oh, my God, she's beautiful. She's perfect in every way. She just said Fuck. She has, she has, she has a swastika on her ankle on the inside. It looks really cute in the way white supremacy does not look cute at all. Yeah. That's how we're going to end it. Thanks, guys. This was a little bit sloppy. I'm trying to get my Patreon up and going. I have 
a lot of things. I'm going to be raffling off some items to new patrons. And then I will also be um, probably expanding more of the content that I provide about my art process. We love you all, and we hope that you are safe and well. Bye! If not, I just won't use it at all. Ah, we'll burn it! The New Stump was produced by Rochelle Cody and Patrick Thomas Perkins. It was edited by Patrick Thomas Perkins. Music clips can be found in full on Aesop Rock's The Blob, available at Rhymesayers Entertainment. For free. Like, like he says to do stuff like this. That's why I did it. Thank you for picking up recyclables today. Donations to the Acast streaming service are, of course, always welcomed, but the best way to support the show is by going to patreon.com forward slash recyclables and becoming a patron today. If you can't do that, another great way is by liking, subscribing, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast on whatever podcast listening service you use. All right, thanks.